Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Edgar Ochoa, who is Original Programming Director at AOL Latino and AOL Mexico. Today we will discuss the new website Tecnopadres and his company's efforts to target Hispanics. Edgar is responsible for the creation, development, and execution of original programs for AOL Latino and AOL Mexico, dedicated lo local web portals in five Latin American markets, Mexico, Argentina, Colombia, Venezuela, and Chile. Edgar is also involved with developing original programs for advertising clients for AOL Latino and AOL Latin America. Prior to joining AOL in early 2008, Edgar served as account director at Spike DDB, where he managed the Frito-Lay and Royal Caribbean International accounts, as well as various agency projects for Turner Network Television and AccuView contact lenses. Before joining Spike DDB, Edgar was account supervisor with Mosaica, a young and rubicum Hispanic ad agency, where he managed campaigns directed at the Hispanic market. He began his career with the Inova Group, a Yankelevich Partners affiliate in Mexico and Argentina, where he was part of the team that launched the Yankelevich Mexico Monitor. Edgar received a Bachelor in Science in Advertising and a Master's in Business Administration in Marketing from the University of Florida. He is fluent in Spanish and French. Welcome, Edgar. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Edgar, there's so much going on in the Internet these days, and particularly in what is being called the emerging market category, there's a huge development of new websites and new content, and a lot of folks are starting to pay attention to these minority or emerging markets. Would you tell us a little bit about AOL Latino and what is going on in that space in general? Well, yes, certainly. Um, we've definitely seen um, a growth in terms of our audience, um, in terms of the number of um, users that we are attracting and also the engagement that we are getting from these users. Um, as, um, as you well know, I mean, there's been a lot of press in terms of the uh, digital divide gap between um, you know, Hispanic users, uh, consumers going online, and the English-speaking consumers going online. So um, in order to serve this public, as we gear up to provide them, you know, content experiences that they can relate to, um, we've developed several vertical sites based on very specific interests, which is one of our pushes for, for this year, which began last year, but um, will continue throughout 2009. In that case, we serve the Hispanic user through, um, you know, uh, channels or networks that appeal to uh, lifestyles for women or sports for men, um, news, uh, entertainment, um, in in all these various areas. So throughout, um, you know, all of our properties, we really can hit any type of interest or. Um, and you know, or, or different aspects of the same consumer's life. In terms of market size and profile, who would you say is the target consumer that you're pursuing at AOL Latino? Well, as I mentioned um, previously, we are we basically have a a suite of different um, 
content products depending on who the consumers are. I think that for us, um, there's definitely certain consumer profiles that are our sweet spot, uh, one being women. Um, you know, and it's very broadly defined women, 18 to 54, um, because they are, you know, a, they are going online in large numbers in all communities, especially the Hispanic community, as they search for information on parenting or relationships or entertainment. Um, so that would be one of our, our key targets. We also have certain properties for, for men, um, particularly we have a very successful site uh, which is called fanatgos.com, which is um, a blog-driven channel around sports, May basically um, was launched last year. It's um, less than a year old and concentrates at this point mostly in um, soccer or football. Um, so um, in terms of the um, you know, we, we do serve and, and there is a, a large number of the male population, we just reach them a little differently. Um, and then we have other properties which are also going online, uh, you know, and obviously we know that the youth generation um, is our heavy internet users and we're raised within that, um, you know, within, with, with that behavior. Um, we do serve that, that uh, Hispanic segment of youth consumers through many of our music properties, key franchises such as Sesiones, which is a live performance um, franchise, and other programs like video countdown programs. Um, and that for us, I mean, there's, there's, uh, it, it's a priority for us moving forward. Um, it is a very competitive um, market for us, being that there are so many sites that are serving that, both in the general market space and also in the Hispanic space. But um, in general, I think that those are, I mean, it's the, our consumer targets are very broad, but definitely are, um, I would say that our competitive advantage is in reaching um, females, um, in, you know, Hispanic females in, in various aspects of their life. If we look at the overall U.S. Hispanic market, just for purposes of this discussion, as divided into three main segments, what would you say that those segments are? Um, well, I, in, in terms of, um, you know, we could, I, I prefer to divide them by lifestyle and interest as opposed to um, demographically, because I think that demographically they, you know, uh, a lifestyle interest could, could uh, encompass many different demographics. But for us, there's definitely, in terms of females, um, Hispanic female, there is um, the parenting component, the, you know, the, the, the mothers um, tend to, um, which is, you know, um, a very distinct group and obviously has a certain a set of distinct interests and, and needs that need to be served from, um, you know, from an information perspective. And so we, um, we do a lot around, um, you know, all those problems that um, mothers are trying to, trying to uh, solve from how to, uh, what's the best way to parent to information on health issues that are related to the family or their children or to just solving everyday problems of, as far as like what to cook for dinner. Um, then another segment that we um, serve in terms of Hispanic females would be kind of the entertainment seekers. And this, again, can, doesn't necessarily mean that this is not a mother, but we're just appealing to her other interests and is looking um, to go online to find those um, distractions during the day. 
Um, and we serve her uh, through a lot of entertainment news on her favorite celebrities, be them in the English language celebrities um, or Hispanic celebrities who've made crossover or the traditional, um, you know, telenovela type of, um, you know, celebrities. Um, and that is, of course, we're appealing to, you know, a more whimsical, more entertainment-based type of um, interest from this Hispanic female consumer. Um, then we also, in terms of the third segment that's very important and actually is gaining a lot of momentum for us, is um, appealing to the Hispanic female, but um, and again, independent of her relationship status or her life stage, but more from an empowerment, um, more, uh, I guess, a, a more, um, you know, basically hitting those, all those cues when it comes to career, money, or living kind of like your best lifestyle. And a lot of, uh, so we, we are doing a lot of programming along that, appealing to her more as a woman than as a mother, um, and in a more uh, in a in a deeper sense or a, a more serious tone as opposed to just entertainment and those uh, as we do with our entertainment properties what would you say is the depth and breadth in terms of size of the market where your core is so if we look at the US Hispanic market as being approximately 45 million i know that some people consider that very conservative but if we mm -hmm. just use that as a working number what percentage of that would you say is the market that you are pursuing uh when it comes to the female uh, pairing market i mean i would say that it's probably about you know 45 percent you know um in terms of i know that it's a it's a largely um a, a large female population uh, but when you take away the, the ones that are not within the age group or um or you know, or, or that are not online, I would say you know there's about you know 45% of our market is what we we target in terms of um, you know females 18 to 54. And approximately how many millions would you say that is? Well, I guess it depends on what base number you're talking about, but um, you know I would say that it's probably around the range of 20 to 25 million. Is there a language? Uh, preference in terms of your outreach and the content that you offer. Are you Spanish focused or English? Is it a combination? We are um, we're, we're predominantly Spanish focused. We are evaluating that um, our use of language very closely. Um, partly what we've discovered is that consumers are attracted to the content that they feel um, a certain affinity with either because they're trying to solve a problem um, or because they um, because they're attracted to that subject matter what be it a certain celebrity or they're trying to solve something as um, you know as everyday as what to cook for dinner and when they have identified what their need is they will arrive at that content regardless, at least a Hispanic consumer obviously, regardless of what language is presented to them in. So we still are predominantly a Spanish language site and our network of sites is all uh, driven predominantly in Spanish. However, um, if the content warrants or if through partnerships, uh, for instance, we um, we have access to this content in only in English, um, then we will present it only in English, or at least have the consumer have the chance to decide whether they will read it in English and in Spanish. So in some of our pages, you will see the English toggle. So in the right hand, upper right-hand corner will be the option to view the content in English. 
but predominantly, overall, we find that um, a large part of our consumers navigate back and forth between both languages and, you know, are not necessarily turned off by being presented in one language or another. So that allows us to be very flexible. In what way would you say, Edgar, that you distinguish yourselves from the, the mainstream market other than language in terms of your offerings and perhaps as well as other competitors who are offering similar content in targeting the Latino consumers? Well, I think that one of the ways that we distinguish ourselves is from general from um, general market is to uh, bring in that cultural uh, relevancy to bring in the um you know the the overlay of the hispanic culture here in the us um regardless of uh, nation of origin into how we present information so um you know i think that will be if you uh, it, Spans the, the scope of most of our of our channel, um, whether it's entertainment or lifestyle. Um, in in relation to other Spanish language um, portals or, or websites out there, um, I would say that I mean we we are, we try to um, have a good balance uh, and try to do things that are you know that the that the public. Um, likes and gravitates towards in terms of, you know, that, that our, our competitors do well also in terms of, um, in terms of like entertainment and celebrity and that type of uh, traffic generating um, content. Um, and we try to mix that up and in my opinion do a, a, a better job than some of our competitors in terms of to also things that are um, very community servicing um, in that are adding to the community and empowering the community. So for instance, um, things like flagship uh, franchises for us, like the Alamo Awards or Hispanic Heritage, we will try to, to see how we can serve the community while also entertaining. So last year for Hispanic Heritage, we did a whole, or throughout you know, uh, September and through October to the end of the year, we did an entire campaign about a PSA campaign. It was very celebrity-driven um, around speaking Spanish at home. And it was an initiative in which um, it was personal messages from celebrities to our users talking about the importance of keeping the Spanish language alive at home um, and um, because it's part of our cultural heritage that is being lost with our children. So these are kind of the, um, you know, this year we will be uh, rolling out an extension to that. These are type of the flagship um, programming that we feel is very important and also a competitive advantage of ours. It's not that our competitors or Spanish language competitors um, can't do it, but they're choosing not to concentrate on those. And then we do certain things around arts, like for instance, we do um, a lot of programming around um, film festivals and support independent filmmakers um, within the Hispanic community or the Latin American community in general. Um, we have a, a Tribeca Film Festival uh, package. And those are also other um, events and franchises that are not all that covered within regular online media or even general um, Hispanic media. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you face in reaching these different segments that we've talked about? Um, well, I think that one of the challenges in general to all uh, marketers targeting the Hispanic consumer is finding the right equation around language. Um, 
And um, you know, there's a lot of, of reports out there in terms of what language people prefer. I think that when they, in the online environment, we have the, um, the benefit of instant feedback and being able to monitor traffic and, and response um, to different things that we do. So we definitely adapt to that. Um, and I think then also a lot of the challenges that we have are market challenges in terms of um, advertisers and sponsors really not understanding the market or uh, from an online perspective still um, wondering whether it's a target that is um, online and what type of information they are uh, looking for online and whether they are um, either just looking for information or also responding because obviously in these times a lot of um, you know a lot of advertisers are looking for the internet to have a more direct response type of mechanism or um, to be able to incorporate that so I would say those are two things I mean you know language and then market perceptions of the value of the Hispanic market in general specifically how it uh, plays out in the online space in these days when we're encountering so many shifts in terms of media in general and in terms of the mainstream media in particular where we're seeing companies go under and shut down and layoffs of editorial and general staff all over the place. How would you say that you specifically are overcoming that? Because all of these other companies are shrinking and pulling back. And on the other hand, you all are growing and looking at development ideas and growing your market share. How do you go about doing that in this market where everybody else is struggling? Yeah. And um, it, it's definitely a challenging, a challenging market um, and challenging times. I think that it, it, um, um, we see it as an opportunity to be more creative and to really um, – reinvent how we how we do our business one of the ways that in that, that we have been able to do that um, and that is a big part of my job um, because I also handle uh, partnerships is to enter into into these content partnerships where we have synergies in terms of mission or and our content is well aligned with um, what we want to do or, or what our purpose is and also that um, together we can bring a better offering to to the user and also help each other financially either because we're exchanging traffic or sharing advertising revenues. So one good example of that is this particular project that we were talking about today which is Tecnobades. Um, we have a partner with um, the online mom who provides us a battery of, of bloggers that it would be a lot more expensive for us to gear up. and and provide this content, and it would have taken us a lot longer to get it to market, um, which would have meant that we probably would have lost the opportunity um, to really kind of create this program for an advertiser. So those types of content sharing partnerships, I think, um, times like these companies that maybe um, you know, a couple of years ago wouldn't have thought of working together when the Internet was a lot more of a walled garden, now are able to, um, to see the benefit of working working together. Um, I think that that's definitely one of the, um, you know, one of the things I think that they, we've, we've been doing well. Um, in addition to that, I think that we are also, in being more creative, is 
really partnering with our, our, our key advertisers to bring value to them, um, listening to them. It's really becomes kind of the old, you know, it's um, nothing, nothing really new except that sometimes we forget that those are, you know, keys to everyone's success. So um, we have been working very closely in terms of sharing even um, you know, cost information structures and just operational logistics of how we do things um, with key advertisers um, to really make sure that we are delivering something that's going to add value to their business much more, I believe, than we were doing before. Tell us a little bit more about that, Edgar, if you would. What arguments are you using successfully with these marketers and advertisers that you were talking about earlier to convince them that this is a worthwhile market and that these are worthwhile forums that you're offering? Um, well, I, you know, one of the, um, ultimately it becomes a matter of, of traffic and showing um, levels of engagement um, and also the quality of that contact. So we've been very successful in doing that overall um, with AOL Latino as we've grown 100% year over year. Um, so that puts us in a position to, to show a, um, you know, to show leadership within, within our competitors. Um, so that definitely, um, it, it, it softens the mood of the conversation when you're talking to an advertiser. It definitely is a, is a different position. Uh, also, I think that as we've put a lot of work into our content and the mixture of, you know, of, of, um, of, of content into our suite of different of, of different um, of different properties, we've also distinguished ourselves among advertisers in terms of that we are a property that kind of is aligned with the values, either serving the community um, that they want their brands to be aligned with if they not, are not already. So there's definitely those synergies there. Um, and in, in addition to the uh, you know to to that, I think that from a from an original programming perspective, we do a lot of work with our advertisers in terms of to find brand experiences online. Um, so we evangelize a lot, uh, and this is something that is not only you know it's it's new to the general market also, but in terms of um, creating brand experiences or rich content experiences online, it is a uh, you know the the relationship with the user and the online and 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 the web page can be a very um, uh, personal one in terms of that you are guiding yourself through the information that you find relevant. So what we've done is tried to create these brand environments within our pages that allow users, if they so please, to be able to have. Um, a lot of information and deep, long-tailed information within the content that, um, or the subject matter that they're interested in. So we've, you know, in doing that, we've been able to show our advertisers that our users are heavily engaged with our pages, which by default, if they align their brands within our pages and within our content, then obviously they become heavily engaged with their brands. Let's talk a little bit more about that that word that you used um, because I've heard it before and and I think that it's an interesting area to to look at and that is engagement. A lot of folks think that the only criteria that's important certainly from an advertising perspective is numbers. And then I've heard from others who specialize in internet measurement and quality of that measurement 
is the concept that it's not always bigger that's better, that you need to look at how interested your audience is. Would you tell us a little bit more about that engagement and what it means to you? Yes. I mean, we are seeing, um, you know, a turnaround, and it's probably from from not only us internally, but just the industry evangelizing evangelizing about engagement. But we're seeing we're starting to see a turnaround in that advertisers uh, are are more willing to look at yes measurements of engagement, and everybody kind of you know has different. Um, metrics that they use, whether it's time spent or, or um, you know, page views for unique or, or, or different um, measurements in terms of to determine, well, how engaged is the user with the content. Um, for us, I think, you know, it is, it, it is something that we, um, we, we basically tr try to work with our, our advertisers and are constantly, um, you know, in educating them about what is the benefit and of looking at engagement in relationship also with you know traffic um, and one of the, the things that I really feel strongly about is that a more engaged consumer really becomes your brand ambassador um, so it is something that we really have to evaluate closely and we one of the ways that we do that is one of the mechanisms that we've been successful in at um, providing more user engagement is to really, when we're talking about one subject, provide lots of content around that subject so that if they're, and it's not necessarily, it's, um, you know, peripheral sub, uh, content, but it's easily, um, you can easily find it so that those users that are interested can um, reach that type of information and the users um, that are not then can get the quick read that they need on the subject that they're interested in. So, for instance, if we have a, a news piece or, for instance, in technology, for instance, we have the blog entries um, about, you know, the blog, but then we'll also have links and tools um, that will go through related, related content, whether it's deeper content about security online in general or deeper content about a certain technology subject. But it is. I think that there is a change in looking at the medium as, you know, more than just a uh, a, a traffic, um, more more than just from the traffic that it's generating, and also more about you know the brand experience and the amount of time and the deep relationship that it's get it, that it can generate with consumers. That's a good segue for my next question, which is something that there's also a lot of talk about lately and certainly some controversy, which is the issue of editorial versus ad content. And now online in particular, where do you draw the lines? Uh, some websites are blending ads within the editorial content, including hyperlinks that are paid for and advertiser content in ways that are not always obvious that those are ads. What are your thoughts on that? Um, and perhaps we can use the new website and, and talk a little bit about that um, a little bit later. Yes, and I think that, you know, we, um, it's definitely um, in terms of Editorial and paid content, it's definitely something that we're very vigilant about. I mean, our editors are looking at that all the time. I believe in, in, in most instances, if not all, 
um, it is easily within our pages easily identifiable. Um, you know, we will have um, you know um, a our Quigo links, which are basically paid links. Um, they're all grouped together, and it's identifiable that it's not part of its modules that are not part of the content. They're within either the bottom of the page or the right-hand rail. Um, we also, one of the things that we do to kind of, um, of which these aren't necessarily paid content, uh, paid links, but they might be if there's a sponsorship to a certain area, we might allow that um, sponsor to include links that go back to their business, whether it's back to editorial content that they've created or it could be back to a um, commercial site. But those are all at the bottom footer and you know will be listed separately not within the content. So if you look at footer, you'll be able to see either recommended links or other sites that you should check out. So we do try to, and it's all part of giving, giving um, the user all the information that they need because there are users who might be reading an article and who will need you know, about something and it will prompt the thought of, you know, I might need this service or something. So they will be able to find the link, but it's not mass in anything. It's not an advertorial per se. Um, when it comes to our sponsorships, I mean, we treat that in terms of whether it's a, for instance, a technology site that we were talking about, um, whether it's a, um, we highlight a lot of gadgets within that. We'll highlight new products or sites um, that are of interest specifically to parenting and technology, which is the focus of that site, Tecno Padres. Um, but within that, our sponsoring um, you know, client will be just, will have just as much exposure or opportunity to put their gadgets there as anybody else. So they, you know, will be part of our press release, uh, you know, press releases that we receive, and they may or may not be worked into the editorial depending on how relevant they are to, to, to what that site is, um, is, is highlighting. Okay, so let's talk about Tecnopadres. Okay. What exactly, if I, if I understand the concept, it's information that's technology-oriented in Spanish for parents. Is that right? Yes. In broad terms, yes. Okay. Why don't you tell us a little bit more, if you would? Well, okay. Um, well, the site is really um, focused in somewhat of three areas, in a way. Um, the first, and not necessarily in terms of um, priority, in terms of the amount of content that's put into a site, because, but the first area is about Parenting and technology touches upon all those things that parents um, are very aware of um, and that make the news regularly in terms of keeping your 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 kids uh, safe online and also um, privacy issues as um, that that your family should be aware of either because your son or daughter is using software that might be put your family at risk or the files that you have in your computer or also their own privacy and personal information with all the popular sites that are out there that kids are navigating. So that is a, a, a big uh, a, a focus of the, of the site, but it's also much broader than that. I would say that the second mission of the site is really to inform and educate parents um, on sites, games, technology that their kids are being exposed to that they may not know well. So the, um, one of the things that it, it, our goal in, in this aspect is to be able to give parents enough information about these 
you know, this technology so that they can have a conversation with their kids or at least understand what their kids are talking about. So if they're in the car and the kids are talking about Twitter, they know what Twitter is, they know how Twitter works, they know what the function of it is, or Facebook, or if they're talking about a widget. Um, and this is language, and you know, sometimes it's almost slang that kids are constantly using, and so it, it, it allows parents to, to understand their kids and find some common ground with their kids. The third part of the site is really more of a general technology presented in a way that for the non-tech person. Um, this could be for anybody. They don't necessarily have to be parents, but it's within the site. So um, we do try to highlight technology or gadgets that um, are somewhat family-oriented or that are, have a use within the family unit. Um, but it could also be things like you know the latest monitor, the flattest screen, the you know a um, I don't know a uh, a certain technology for your bike or like um, uh, a cell phone for your bike or whatever it might be. Um, so that's kind of the three areas that, that the site um, is focusing on. And what is the source of that editorial content, Edgar? Do you have a dedicated, a dedicated editorial team that produces the content? Is it third-party content? Where, where does this come from? Well, we have seven bloggers that are dedicated to um, to the site, and um, some of those bloggers do come from our content partner, The Online Mom, which provides um, the English language version of Tecnopadres. Um, and then uh, some of the other bloggers are internal bloggers that we've had, you know, working with us that we basically either rerouted um, to and refocused to work in this area or they're blogging, you know, in other areas in addition to. Um, all of our bloggers are, um, you know, technology experts. Some of them well, worked for online companies in the past and are now moms themselves or parents themselves, so they, they have seen both worlds. Um, and so we do have a dedicated set of, um, of bloggers to the area. We, in addition to that, then we also are editors um, that do some of our lifestyle and family, um, you know, uh, uh, in our family channels, also contribute to the site. On the website right now, and I see the list where it says bloggers, uh, Technodad, The Online Mom, Carlos Cano, Laura Rendon, Sarah Klein, Barry Myers, and Technoblogger. Yes. So these are the folks that are generating your content. Yes, and they're in that area where it says all the bloggers you see, not only their names, you could link to all the blogs that they've posted. Um, and of course, it's, it's kind of like an archive that will grow as the site um, continues to grow. And then also, the uh, it's their little status, kind of like their Facebook status, um, which kind of gives you a little thing, a little bit of what they're doing or um, you know where they're at currently. And the target audience for this website, is that still within the, the Hispanic women category? Um, yes, I think that this one, this particular is probably skewed a little bit, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely still skewed towards women. Um, however, we, you know, we, um, being that it's technology, we, we um, you know, it's going to live within our Tu Vida y Mas um, network, which is probably about 70-80% women, but this particular channel will probably be a little bit skewered, uh, skewed a little bit more towards men. So we can expect to probably have like 40% men. How are you going about promoting the website? I know that just launched very recently. What tools and 
uh, outreach efforts are you relying on to spread word? Well, um, you know, our initial uh, tools will be, you know, our, our PR outreach. Um, we will also cross-promote the website throughout our AOL uh, Latino network and our um, owned and operated AOL sites. So, um, you know, this is done through um, cross, you know, uh, through uh, cross-promotion modules uh, in all the relevant channels. So, any of our uh, owned and operated sites that um, appeal to to families or parents. So, from a general market perspective, that could be Parent Dish. Um, in you know, from our AOL Latino, it could be our Duvida Family Channel. Um, and then also, we do a lot of work through SEO. Um, so we have a dedicated SEO manager who is making sure, working with our uh, bloggers and our editors to um, to make sure that we're optimizing um, and we're we're uh, coming out, you know, within the first couple of rankings on Google. Um, we empower our bloggers with um, the tools to and the tricks of the trade to make sure that as consumers are searching different parenting or technology type of um, of uh, of um, terms that Technopolitics comes out. Um, in addition to that, then um, we also do a lot of uh, promotion within our welcome screen from General Market and AOLLatino.com in terms of um, relevant blogs or breaking news with a technology site that also push a lot of traffic back to Technopolitics. You talked earlier about the importance of partnerships. Will partnerships play a role in this new website? And if so, who outside of your AOL Latino network are you looking at for partners? Well, currently, um, yes, they will play a role. We're definitely open to um, growing the site through partnerships that make sense. At this moment, we don't, we haven't necessarily identified. Um, any besides the ones that we are already aligned with, uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other partnerships there that you know we could bring into the fold um, soon. And and what is your criteria for identifying partners, and what what's the process like for those folks who are listening to us who may be interested in exploring that? Um, I think that the like-mindedness of content is one, whether it's a content partner or um, a marketing partner, um, serving the same, um, you know, the, the same consumer. Um, and by that I mean, you know, predominantly Hispanic, you know, consumers and also, um, you know, parents in particular. Um, and I would say the third, parents that would be interested in, in technology. Um, so that's definitely, you know, I think the overriding criteria. Um, and then, um, you know, once we can agree on on the fact that we we have similar missions, and um, is then, you know, what is uh, what, what is the arrangement? Are we building traffic together? Is there some sort of revenue opportunity? Um, but I would say that, you know, at this point, it's our our overriding criteria is really on the content side because um, we are. You know, we see this as an opportunity to really build a, you know, it's the content that's really going to make us um, increase our market and our users and get very engaged users. How do you go about measuring that? We're back to the word engagement. How do we, how do you go about measuring that engagement? How do we, participants in that process, reveal our level of engagement, we meaning the users? Um, 
Well, there's there's a couple of ways. I mean, one of the most traditional ways uh, has been um, to measure the number of pages. The very you know in a way it's a very simple way number of pages per users, so um, per unique visitors. So the higher each person, the more pages each person is going through, um, then we we have an indication that there was a higher level of interest in what they were being exposed to, therefore interest equaling engagement. Um, another way that we uh, will you know measure it is the time spent on the page, um, and the reason why time spent is important is because uh, as we get more um, as we incorporate more video into many of our, and you know, across the board into all of our sites, and particularly in in uh, in bodies also, um, you know, it may not necessarily be many page views. If a person's watching a video, the video is only one page view, um, but the 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 interaction with video will increase the amount of time that is spent on that page, and therefore also increase engagement. With Tecnopadres right now, a lot of um, some of our blogs, many of our blogs include video. That's going to increase in the future, and we're also going to be rolling out a resource library of video clips that tackle um, various types of um, uh, computer challenges that maybe the not so uh, savvy user um, computer user may have, including things as simple as setting your security settings on your um, you know your browser. Um, to to you know how to create your status in Facebook or things of that nature. So the, when we roll out those video properties, we can we could see or we expect to see the time spent on the site increase as users start you know seeing the various videos and interacting with those. Another element is our community element. Um, so we have the comment boards, and the more comments that we get, more engagement that we have. That one's a little bit less of a of a um, of a true measurement because some people, you know, there's it's kind of like the the, the thing of like well, consumer who actually um, sends a complaint or something is different than the one that doesn't. And there's some people who um, are just not commenters, but we do keep track of that and we'll see sometimes that the number of levels of comments will will rise depending on what this source of the story is. What would you say is the ratio of ads to editorial content or vice versa uh, for the website? Well, for Technopadres, we are it is um only sponsored by one advertiser. So there's um uh, basically just um the ratio is is one. <laughs> Um, and that being Verizon. So, and you know, it's um, on on other sites. It's, it's hard to tell, particularly because some of the ads are, you know, if it's sponsorships, they may have 100% share of voice, um, and other ones, they're advertisers that just buy the run of site. And so, if we, if we have a um, a an advertiser a, a site that is only running run of site types of advertising, it could be quite high. But for this one in particular, it's across the model that this was really kind of created with um, you know to to meet the you know the goals of one advertiser so you will only see for the time being Verizon advertising on the site. Will that have any impact on the editorial content? In other words, is your editorial going to include products that are competitors to Verizon? 
Um, yes, it could very well include um, competitors' product. I mean, we, um, you know, we we don't talk in terms of um, cell phones per se. It's not a category that we specifically focus on into the in the site. The site is more dedicated to um, online um, technology, and then has some, you know, in terms of. Yeah, you know, does have some non-online um, technology type of um, of categories such as um, flat screens or monitors and televisions, and um, but it's predominantly uh, about the online environment, either um, you know sites or games or technology around the online environment. Um, now, their sponsorship won't particular won't uh, affect the editorial. As I said before, I mean we are. Um, you know, we're receiving press releases about gadgets and all types of things from all different types of company, and it is up to our criteria is that it is relevant to the subject matter at hand, the site, which is basically, you know, parenting and technology. Um, so that might very well be the case that uh, Verizon has products or services that are relevant to that, or that it may not. And you know, as they do, we will put them up, and if they don't, then you won't see them there. And while we're on the subject of content, what are your thoughts on aggregators? There's a number of publishers and publishing companies uh, that have been complaining vociferously. There have even been lawsuits lately of publications that have used and abused other publications' content, of aggregators that are making money off the back of publishers. What is your policy on that? Well, we, um, I mean, we're definitely very um, uh, careful in terms of, and also very cognizant in terms of as we're aggregating um, content to make sure that, um, you know, we are cognizant of fair use uh, laws and um, practices. Um, for us, it um, it is, you know, it, it is basically we're working in an open platform where our goal is to provide users with with the ability to take a deep dive into information and the you know using or aggregating um, content allows us to do that but it is never really the focus of of our sites um, it is peripheral information that's applied for that user who wants to um, have a deeper dive into the information at the same time, we're not, you know, we have no problem with pointing out to other sites if that's where they're going to get our information. And from the perspective of aggregator sites who are taking your content, either the entire article or a portion of the article, to drive traffic to their websites, what is your policy on that? We are, um, you know, we... we in terms of again, I mean, our our policy is basically to let the content, um, you know, drive the experience. So you know, we understand that that is something that you know is is being used, um, and we're we're fine with it. I mean, in 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 fact, you know, the the thought is is that if our 
content is being used. I mean, we do, you know, obviously want to get credit for it in terms of uh, being identified as a source. Um, I think, you know, we we do that, you know, on our end. So we expect the same type of um, practices on people who use our content, and we're really there to kind of provide users with the best possible information, regardless of where it comes from. And so we're, to that note, we're we're uh, we're fine with with users having access to our to our content thinking that the user is when they go online they'll notice that where it comes from and come back to check out more content from us you talked about videos a few minutes ago and the role that they're going to be playing in the future on Technobadres. Would you tell us a little bit about the types of videos and the source of the videos that you're planning? Um, yes, we actually um, produce, well, not in every case, but in this particular case, we do produce a lot of our own video. Um, these video clips that I referenced, guys, that I uh, spoke about, will be produced by um, our own studios here in New York. We also have studios in um, LA. Um, so the entire production is, is in-house. We are doing the, the development of the video along with our partner, The Online Mom. So together we'll collaborate in writing scripts and creating the, the subject matter um, that we will touch upon the videos. Um, and you know, some of the video that you do see from our, um, in, in our postings are videos that we get from third parties. Um, but these particular clips I was speaking about will be entirely produced by us. We do that in some of our other um, in some of our other channels. We do produce a lot of the video in house. Are those videos going to include ads? Is that going to be a further way to reach your consumers? Have you thought about that? There is. Um, uh, there is pro uh, going to be pre-roll to those videos, which would be an advertisement by um, a sponsoring client. However, the content within the clip will not be ad-supported. Ad so we're giving um, how-to guides of how to create, how to solve uh, problems around you know technology, and that will be totally editorial-driven. But before you get to that video, um, you you know the user will be exposed to an advertisement. Now we do have protocols on how that um, happens, so it's not every single video that has an ad. There is um, there's rules to that. I believe it's uh, the first one and the fifth one or something to that nature. But there is set um, AOL protocols on pre-roll. How often do you update the content, Edgar? Is it daily or more than once a day? Yes, it's it's daily. We have some segments that are weekly. So we'll have uh, Lo Mejor de la Semana, which is kind of like our editor's pick for the week. And that um, is a site, a tip, and a game that is updated weekly. But um, our bloggers will be posting daily. And some of them are posting daily, some of them are posting weekly. But every, every day that you go on the site, you could at least expect to see um, between three and five postings um, for that day. What do you see in the future as you look into your crystal ball in the next <laughs> six months, in the next year for the website? I know that you mentioned video, and it looks like that's pretty much a, a done deal. It's just a matter of time, right? Yes. What else do you see in terms of the website and its growth and capturing the market, et cetera? Um, well, I mean, I think that we, you know, yes, the video part is definitely something that's um, already a done deal. We'll, we will um, begin production of the video in April. 
um, I think that some of the things that, you know, this year um, that we'll be rolling out will be more community type of, um, of elements. Um, currently, you know, our community elements are limited to comments on, um, on, um, on the, the postings. We have a, um, you know, we want to um, kind of increase that so that we have also the users uh, uh, contributing or, or affecting the, the the content and basically shaping the content of the site and the focus of the site. Um, among that, I think there's you know opportunities to do live chats as our users become more um, engaged with our bloggers and really kind of you know start following some of our bloggers. So it'd be live online chats with our bloggers, and also um, one of the things that we hope to be rolling out on the site um, before the end of the year is um, the Yetta uh, functionality that we have in-house here at AOL, which is a question and answer, um, an expert question and answer forum where you're allowed to pose a question to an expert. Um, and you could submit it to a specific expert. So in this case, you could submit it to any of our bloggers. They can choose which one they answer. But as a user, as you go and search um, every all of the user's questions, if I know an answer to one of your questions, I can answer your question. So in that case, as a user, by answering another user's questions, I'm actually contributing to the content of the site because all that history of questions and answers is kept on the site and you know you can um, as a sort of reference library. So those are some of the more immediate functionalities. I think in broad strokes we um, want to step up the, the level of community that we are um, that, that, that the site has. In terms of technology, particularly because this is a technology-oriented site, is there a, a phone version? In other words, some websites have a format that's friendly to cell phone users. Other websites develop their look so that it can be friendly to regular online access as well as to cell phone access. Is this something that you have considered or that you're planning to look into? We have considered it. It's not within, um, you know, I would say the next six months of the site, but it's definitely, um, I think that the next iteration of this site will be a lot more mobile, um, or at least have that option. Uh, we're doing that across uh, a lot of our different sites, you know, throughout AOL. So um, it's only a matter of time and just um, having the resources. Now, Tecnopadres, now that you mentioned a lot of your other sites, it doesn't have the word AOL in it, and you've developed a number of products with that same characteristic. Would you tell us a little bit about the, the thinking behind that and, and whether you're planning to continue that trend? Um, yes, it's definitely um, it is a trend within, within AOL to um, develop very um, – niche vertical sites of which Technopilot definitely fits the bill for that. Um, the whole thinking behind that is that users are really going after subject matter and content as opposed to coming in through a uh, portal. So we wanted to make sure that we, you know, as much as the look, the branding, the naming, that we are um, going along with that trend. And so you'll see, as you know, of many sites like Indimos and Tecnopadres, it doesn't have the AOL branding particularly visible or readily uh, apparent. Um, so, I mean, 
yeah, it's it's just a, it's a corporate strategy, and um, the thought is it will it's worked very well, and we'll continue to roll out um, these types of sites where um, you know it's not um, it, it's not branded AOL per se. Does this relate to the Latin American consumers and the Latin American markets in terms of them not being familiar with AOL? Um, does that have is that even an issue? And actually, uh, it's not an issue. We um, have a, you know, in all key Latin, Latin American markets that we're currently in, we've had a history there, and they know our, our properties because um, before, you know, before there were there was a big presence of portals or sites serving Latin America, they were coming to the U.S. and serving our sites. Um, so we do have, um, you know, brand recognition in um, in, in Latin America, it was more a um, uh, it was more of a strategy. I would driven by consumer behavior online in general than by any lack of recognition of the AOL name. Edgar, you work with both the U.S. Latino market and the Latin American market. Mm-hmm. Are there any characteristics, preferences of the markets that you say? separates them in terms of, for example, a website like Tecnopadres. Is this website being visited by Latin Americans? Is it specifically for U.S. Latinos? Well, you know, I, I actually, because it, it's the the website is, you know, in its infancy, I haven't necessarily looked at um, Latin American traffic numbers, um, but I think that this particular site is um, relevant to parents regardless of where they are. Um, it's, um, you know, I think that in Latin America, you get into a different set of um, demographic or sociographic elements that will be filters to the type of consumer that will be attracted to this, one being socioeconomic level. Um, and, but they're, you know, barring those types of, you know, factors, um, it is as relevant to any Spanish-speaking um, parent, regardless of where you are. What suggestions or tips would you share with our listeners, Edgar? I know we've covered a lot of ground, but for those people who are familiar with the market but want to make some greater inroads in the online arena, and even for those folks who are thinking for the first time of pursuing specifically, since you mentioned that's that's your core audience, Spanish-dominant Hispanic women in the United States, what suggestions would you share with them on how to go about either starting or developing a stronger connection? Um, yes, I think that, um, you know, for marketers who are already, you know, um, have experiences with Hispanic market, um, whether, you know, and maybe – um, in you know the traditional media, um, I would say that from an online space, um, basically you know look at the numbers and realize that there are uh, is, there is a growing and a significant population um, of Hispanic consumers that are going online and adopting technology at amazing rates. So it's a good time to start and start building your brand online. Um, having you know gone over, you know uh, over that hurdle. Um, from an online perspective, I would tell marketers that you know they can see the online um, environment as, and as they do some of you know their other mediums in terms of making sure that their campaigns online 
are culturally relevant, um, that they have that um, overlay of that the communication that it's the same um, filter that they put in when they're going to do traditional media. They want, you know, if they're talking to the Hispanic consumer, they want to make sure that it resonates with the Hispanic consumer based on um, culture and not only just language. I think those are the, you know, the, the strongest campaigns out there do that. And the, the online environment is no different, and that should definitely be considered um, when doing marketing campaigns within the online environment. Um, also with the online environment, don't um, make sure from a marketing perspective that you see it as a vehicle that allows you to build brands online. And building brands online um, is just the same type of when, you know, it's the same principles as when you're building brands um, using other mediums. And it's, you know, partnering with uh, with your provider, the person who is going to be showing your, 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 your advertisement. Um, to, to, the, to the user and partnering with them to make sure that the editorial, the content is in line with what you and how you speak to your consumer and the platforms that you use for your consumer. Don't just run banners, but you know, take the opportunity to work with your, with your partners, your content provider to build, to build experiences. And if they're not doing that, then you probably have the wrong partner. Um, and the third tip would say that um, one of the things that the online environment does really well, which you need to take advantage of, is to make sure that you're going deep in terms of with content that you're providing um, you know, users that are interested with deep information on the subject matter, regardless of where, where it comes from. It may come from your brand or it may not, but um, the, you know, the, 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 the tactic here is that providing them with with a lot of information is going to increase is going to increase engagement to those that want to spend the time and make those consumers into brand ambassadors of your brand. Thank you Edgar for joining us today from New York City. You're welcome. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Edgar Ochoa, who is original programming director at AOL Latino and AOL Mexico. He discussed the new website, Tecnopadres, and his company's efforts to target Hispanics. Brought to you by Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicMPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicMPR.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com. Expand your reach. Improve your bottom line by reaching America's largest minority effectively with information from the experts. Listen to presentations from national experts in downloadable audio presentations and extended interviews about Marketing to Multicultural Kids, presented by Michelle Valdovinos, who is Senior Vice President at Phoenix Multicultural. Hispanic Perspectives on Advertising, presented by Liria Barbosa, who is Research Director at CNR Research. The Changing Latino Landscape, presented by Cesar Malgoza, who is Managing Director of Latin Force Group. Best in Class Hispanic Strategies, presented by Carlos Santiago, President, and Doreen Allen, Managing Partner of Santiago Solutions Group. Segmentation by Level of Acculturation, presented by Miguel Gomez Weinbrenner, who is Senior Consultant at Cheskin. 
For more information on these presentations, visit our resources section at www.hispanicmpr.com backslash resources backslash hmpr hyphen products.